Hi everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. This episode is supported by Scara, revolutionizing competitive gaming. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we're sitting down with the CEO and founder of Kyber Network, Loy Halu. Loy is going to tell us about the infrastructure that Kyber Network is putting in place so that we can use cryptocurrencies in everyday life. And please pay attention to what he says about what's happening in Korea right now, where they can pay in cryptocurrency and automatically switches to the Korean won for merchants. Super cool super cool but before we do that please go to crypto101podcast.com that's crypto101podcast.com scroll to the bottom of the page you'll see all of our icons for all kinds of many different things from instagram to twitter to tumblr to facebook join our facebook group lots of cool things happening there you can send us an email reach out to us say what's up if you are an audio editor or a blog writer please come try to join the team we are looking for those two skill sets right now we would very much appreciate it. Also, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribing to us on iTunes and getting new people to listen to us helps us stay in front of the pack and moves us up on the list so people can find us. So if you like the show, we would really love the support of passing our information to your friends. And also for you guys at the top on the nav bar, click the big word tax if you need somebody to help you out to do your crypto taxes this year. Crypto Tax Prep is going to give you $101 off for using their services by signing up through Crypto 101. So thank you very much for that. Enjoy this episode with Kyber Network's Loy Lu, CEO and founder, and we'll see you after the show. Loy, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. Thank you, Matthew, for having me. Loy, if you wouldn't mind, could you please briefly introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, so my name is Loy Liu. I'm a CEO and co-founder of Kyber Network, you know, decentralized chains um, that allows uh, mainstream users to easily convert their tokens. So I, um, a few years ago, I started working on cryptocurrency and blockchain research. So I actually got a PhD on that topic from National University of Singapore. Before I finished my PhD, I started working on Kyber Network, and uh, I, I even like you know finished the token sale before I finished my PhD. So you got your PhD in in what? In blockchain and cryptocurrency. The the broader topic is comp- computer science. Okay. Okay, excellent. And I'm asking you that question for personal interest because I am doing a master's right now and I really want to do my thesis in blockchain and cryptocurrency, but my school won't let me. <laughs> well, I mean, you are welcome to uh, Singapore. There are, you know, I, I think there are a few uh, schools here that they actually have like, you know, courses uh, on cryptocurrency and blockchain. I might consider that. I love Singapore. Been many times and I think it's one of my favorite cities in in the world actually. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's it's it, yeah, a lot of people I, I don't believe it, me when I say that. They're like, "Oh, Singapore is boring." No, it's amazing. <laughs> I think it's it's more you know more amazing now because you know many crypto companies and uh, you know foundation are being set up here. 
So, you know, you will have a lot of work to do here if you move to Singapore. All right. So I might move to Singapore, work for a crypto company, and then do my master's thesis and PhD in cryptocurrency. That'd be amazing. What got you into cryptocurrency? I mean, that's a big undertaking to say, I'm going to do my PhD in blockchain. That's because a PhD, one, is not an easy task, and two, to do it in a new industry is also not easy. Why did you do that? Doing PhD is, you know, you are supposed to work on new topic, right, to solve what no one has solved. So um, I was working on applied cryptography before I started my PhD. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was back in 2013, uh, everyone was talking about Bitcoin because, you know, people call it a bubble. It went all the way from a few cents to 1300 US dollar and, you know, crashes to only one or 200. And, you know, everyone you know, was talking about it. And I was interested as well, because, you know, it show up on all of my news feed and all of my tech friend, you know, talk about Bitcoin, and, you know, cryptocurrency. So I look it up. And after a few basic research, I got totally interested in Bitcoin, because I mean, I, I couldn't fully understand it. But I know that, you know, there are so many interesting problems that I can work on. So I started a PhD and convinced my uh, supervisors to let me do research on Bitcoin blockchain. When did you start Kyber Network? I think officially we started, you know, last April. So what's the process of starting Kyber? Like, can you just talk, go through, like, who did you meet? How did you talk, start talking about it? Were you in a bar and, and like, you know, drinking some beers and then, you know, had a shot with somebody and said, all right, I'm wasted. I got a great idea. Kyber Network. And they're like, what the I, are you talking about, dude? So, so I think, you know, that sort of story only happened in movies, right? Uh, <laughs> So what happened was that, you know, before Kybernet work, my team and I, we work on a few other blockchain projects, including, you know, ONT, uh, which is, a, uh, you know, security analyzers for smart contract. Mm -hmm. So the idea of ONT here is that if you have a smart contract, you just, you know, send it to ONT. Mm -hmm. ONT will just do a thorough, you know, thorough scan and figure out if your smart contract has any, uh, you know, security problem, any vulnerability, and report it to you, right? Another one that we worked on uh, was, you know, Smart Pool, uh, which, you know, runs a decentralized mining pool for all the miners to, to mine together. So all these projects, they were like open source and non-profit, and they target different audience, right? Oriente targeted the developer community. Smart Pool targeted the mining community. So we always, you know, wanted to do something more impactful, something that can directly help the mainstream users which is a bigger community, you know, to get, you know, adoption, you really need more users to join ecosystem. We try different ideas, but none of them was, you know, really con convincing. And one day I was, you know, helping one of the project to develop their ISO smart contract. And they wanted like to accept, you know, different tokens in SS, you know, different means of payments, right? It was not that straightforward because you know, now I needed to prepare a separate code for that special payment. Mm -hmm. And then I figure out now if they want to accept 10 different tokens or currency, do I need to implement like 10 different pieces of code? It was terrible, right? Um, right. So so that when the in initial idea of Kyber Network started, so I, you know, brought it up to the team. And, you know, we discussed a little bit more, uh, we refined the idea. And, you know, it came up the current idea of, of Kyber Network which function as a decentralized chain and at the same time can provide, uh, you know, payment services on the blockchain. I'm going to say that, well, let's try to make it more of a Hollywood story. <laughs> okay, so we okay. were skydiving and we were doing shots on the way down and I told my fr friend like, hey, you know, like skydiving and passing these shots was just like Kyber Network. And he's like, what? No, maybe not. Okay, so going into it, 
After reading your website and everything, Kyber Network is a very ambitious project. Can you just go through the basis? What is Kyber Network and what are you aiming to do? I guess a, a short introduction about Kyber Network is that it's a decentralized change uh, that allows seamless and secure token conversion with guaranteed liquidity. So we want to achieve both security and usability here. Security in the sense that we want the chain can be done securely. We want the funds of the user to be protected, right? Mm -hmm. We do not want to hold any user fund. So in case we got hacked, the user still do not get affected. And usability here is in the sense of, you know, it would be really easy for the user to trade. So after, you know, maybe like they can trade on their phone, after a few clicks, the trade will be successful, right? And in order to do that, we do everything on the smart contract. So our chain runs entirely on chain. Mm -hmm. uh, so user, they can do trade from their own wallet, they can trade from their own, you know, uh, Ethereum client, or they can just go to our website. They have like, so many options to trade with us. We also like, guarantee that liquidity, which is extremely important in decentralized changes, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at in decentralized changes, most of those who want to trade with them, they still cannot because there's no one to trade with the users. Right. Kyber Network has a you know a design that guarantees liquidity. So that means every time the user wants to trade, we also have you know some other counterparty to trade with the users. Where where, where do you get that counterparty? I mean, because with the normal exchanges, there's somebody there. With uh, decentralized exchanges, right. Ether Delta, there's somebody there. How do you guarantee? That's a big word. Right, exactly. So, so what we do is, you know, we have the concept of, you know, liquidity providers or, you know, reserve. So the idea here is anyone with, you know, substantial amount of tokens or coins, right, can come in in our platform and become liquidity providers. And every time the user want to trade, we just talk to the reserve and ask, okay, do you want to trade this, this pair with the user? And if you do, what is the rate, right? And the reserve will just reply to us and say, okay, this is the rate. And we just like forward it to the user. And everything is done on chain on the smart contract. Mm -hmm. So the user do not care, do not even know like, you know, where they get the other uh, token from. So with that, we can protect, you know, both the users and also the liquidity providers from any security hack. And we, we can guarantee everything can be done seamlessly within one single transaction. So seamlessly in one simple transaction, you're talking about atomic swaps then? Atomic swap is a little bit different. Atomic swap, often people, when people talk about atomic swap, is about trading between different cryptocurrencies, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like when you have Bitcoin and you want to trade with like Ether, you have to use atomic swap to guarantee the security. But here, well, I mean, in some sense, it's also like atomic swap between different tokens. Um, I just wanted to make it clear that atomic swap used to be used for trading different cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. uh, but here in the uh, context of Kyber Network, we are handling uh, ERC20 tokens on Ethereum first. I also saw on your website that you are planning to have a, a mobile wallet. It could be used as a payment app as well. You can go to the store and you're trying to make this ecosystem. Am I correct with this? that people can go and swap and pay for things with Kyber Network as well? Exactly. We can guarantee the high liquidity conversion from one token to a different token, right? So we can easily extend that concept to uh, you know, support payments. So the idea here is that if the merchant only accept like Ether or you know, Omisego token as the means of payment, the user can always you know, pay from different tokens with the conversion powered by Kyber Network. Maybe you have like Golan token and you what you do is you send the Golan token to Kyber 
and instruct Kyber to you know send Omega token or Ether token uh, to the merchants. Then mm-hmm. we can just do the conversion in the background and right. forward it to the merchants. Okay. So it's just similar to like you know Visa or Mastercard in a real life. Mm-hmm. Is you can just pay from any currency, and the recipient will just receive in you know Hong Kong dollar or uh, in Taiwan dollar or Singapore dollar. I'm looking at your website right now. And you have a demo for this project. You have this idea of a decentralized exchange, uh, swapping tokens, ERC-20, payment systems, mobile apps. I don't see anything there. When will this be released? And when can people start actually getting their hands on this product? We already deployed our platform on the Robstand testnet. And we deployed it like two weeks ago. Okay. You can just go to robstand.kyber.network to try it out. Link will be in we the description, to- by the way, for the listeners. And we are going to launch our uh, platform on the mainnet probably like, you know, within a week. We only open it to uh, the people who participated in our token sale, mm-hmm. um, which means you know we are we are only going to work with probably like forty thousand users mm-hmm. um, in this you know beta launch. Mm-hmm. But we will you know gradually open to public or you know other people if they request you know to try our product uh, in April. We will just like open. A platform to everyone. They will also have everything: the desktop sites, the mobile app. Everything will be launched in April. Right. right. So, I mean, uh, for the mobile app, right? Uh, what we are doing is we, we we partner with all the popular wallet providers, so that they can just integrate Kyber Exchange function in their wallet. So the the users they will just you know exchange from their existing wallets, so they don't have like to download a new app and you know do all the transfer either from existing wallet to our new wallet. And now a word from our supporter. This is Matthew Aaron, and I want to tell you about Scara. Scara revolutionizes competitive gaming by creating a new system of compensation between players, games, and event coordinators. Scara allows gamers to purchase and secure tradable assets in the secondary market without the risk of exiting in black markets. Scara allows community members to bet online in real time on big esports tournaments. With over 350,000 existing players and 3 million downloads expected by the end of 2018, Scara will generate tens of thousands of transactions daily. If you're interested in Scara, please check out their website at scaratoken.com. That's S-K-A-R-A token.com. And now, back to our show. What is your ultimate goal for Kyber Network? When you launch this platform, you are imagining people to have the desktop, the wallet, things like that. And have you been to mainland China? I have, yes. So with WeChat, you do everything with it. You you pay for everything. Exactly. You, you pay for your phone bills, your utilities, your, you get a taxi, you do all these things. I've lived in mainland China for 13 years and I love it. I haven't touched a renminbi a note in six months, a year sometimes, where I haven't even seen cash. What is your plans yeah. for the Kyber Network? So, I mean, that is also our goal, right? Because we partner with uh, I am Token, one of the, I think is they are the most popular wallet, a crypto wallet uh, in China. They have like, I think 300,000 active users. I think everyone in China use I am Token uh, to maintain uh, their, their crypto portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, we wanted to bring our service directly to, to you know, all the crypto users. Later on, we, we hope that 
you know, all the payments is going to be powered by Kyber Network. The user, they do not need to know that the conversion is actually powered by Kyber Network. Mm-hmm. Cryptocurrency and blockchain has been built by Gitch and for Gitch, right? Mm-hmm. So the user, user experience so far was terrible. So we want to improve that. We right. want to, you know, reach, reach out to the masses. We right. want more people to be able to use, you know, crypto and to pay in crypto without actually much understanding of cryptocurrency. So I got a question about your market then. So people are already doing this in China with a centralized bank without cryptocurrency using the um, UnionPay network. How are you going to, I'm assuming, China is not one of your markets. China is one of our biggest markets. Okay. How, then how are you going to get in there and, and kind of like start taking little pieces out of Jifubao and WeChat? Okay. So, I mean, like, in order to do this, right, it's, uh, it's not going to be Kyber Network alone. It's going to be a joy, uh, you know, effort from the entire cryptocurrency ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we need like to have more merchants to accept crypto. Mm-hmm. We need, uh, you know, more, you know, people working on new projects to facilitate that payments or, you know, the acceptance of cryptocurrency. We are making like great progress, but it's going to take a lot of time and resources in order to, uh, you know, take a significant piece of, you know, market share from the existing payment frameworks. So what, now what about other places outside of China? Do you think that it's easier to get market share from them, say the United States or Europe in, in some places, because they don't have this existing infrastructure already? Or do you think it's harder? I think um, Korea is making good progress. So last week we partnered with Coiduck. They just allow people to actually pay from Ethereum. Mm. Uh, and and the merchant will receive in Korean won, right? Mm. Oh wow! Uh, so let so with our partnership with Coiduck, the user will you know will be able to pay from any other ERC twenty tokens or you know in the future any other cryptocurrency, and still the merchants will receive in Korean won, right? Oh wow, that's big. Yeah, so this is a significant progress that and we are looking for forward to you know more progress to be made in other countries. That's huge for a cryptocurrency to automatically be. So what you're trying to say is. I can pay with my ERC-20 token, no matter which one it is, OMG, Civic, you name it, uh, even Patientory to exactly. a merchant, and it'll be transferred into Korean won. Do you have any other plans for other currencies? We need to work with you know partners in these uh, you know countries or in this currency, right? Uh, because the core business of Kyber Network is to convert from any token to Ether. Or to you know any other different tokens. For now, we are not handling uh, fiat directly, so mm-hmm. we need to rely on our potential partners to help us on that. So we are still exploring different markets, including Japan and uh, also you know here in Singapore as well. What's the challenges of doing this in the, in say Europe or the U.S.? Because it looks like you're uh-huh. focusing on a lot of like Singapore, Japan, Korea. It seems right, like it must, right. there must be an easier access to that or something. Well, I mean like. Uh, you know, we are here, right? Our company is based in Asia, so true, it's true. easier for us to, you know, travel back and forth. Uh, from Singapore, if you go to anywhere in the in the state, it's gonna take you like, you know, a day. This is uh, it's harder for us to do anything in the U.S. But you know, we are looking for new people to help us on, uh, you know, the market, yeah, in in the U.S. All right, it's not because of the governments or regulations or anything. It's just because it's it's in your local neighborhood. Exactly. I have a question that, please, uh, I don't mean this any negative way towards your company or you. I just want to ask somebody that is deploying a product, and you are deploying a product, and there's a lot of companies that are not deploying products, yet they have huge market caps, huge valuation for their companies. What do you think about how much work, how much capital does it take for you to make 
the products and release them compared to some of these other companies with a billion dollar market cap that doesn't have a product. Right. So that's really sad given that so many companies or projects have a lot of capitals and they uh, they couldn't deliver the product. In terms of like, you know, capital requirement, I don't think there's any like fixed number or there's any common numbers that everyone should, should follow. Uh, every project has their own need. Right? For example, for Kyber, we need to run our, our first reserve in our platform. So that's why we uh, we asked for you know two hundred thousand ether from the community back in last September, uh, because you know half of that or one hundred thousand ether will be spent on on the first reserve or the first you know liquidity pool in our in our platform when we launch. So, but in in general, I think you know a few millions will be uh, enough for a company to actually develop the prototype or the first version of the, of the product. When you see companies with <laughs> a, a half a billion market cap or a billion market cap or 14 billion market cap for companies that say are coming out with their first product or bigger products and, or they don't even have a product and they just have roadmaps. Do you think that this valuation is worth it? It's really hard to say, right? Because, you know, this market is still really, uh, you know, full of speculation and people expect the next Ethereum, the next Bitcoin. So that's why everyone is, you know, buying for the future. Other people, when they look at it, they think it's a bubble. But, right, you know, people right. have, yeah, but people have been like telling, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum was a bubble, you know, when Bitcoin was like $100, $200, or even like $1,000, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to tell. You guys are are on the Ethereum network right now, correct? Exactly. I know that you, because you just told me, are an advisor <laughs> for Zilliqa. Is there any right. plans to switch over to their network once they start launching? Well, I mean, we are going to uh, deploy on it on Ethereum and maintain our exchange there uh, for a while. We are still open to the idea of you know deploying Kyber Network on different chain or different platforms. Uh, if we see the needs or if, if we see the market is big enough for us there, just for some general questions about the market, if that's okay. So what do you think of the market these days? What do you think of the Bitcoin price? What do you think of the in energy, the enthusiasm, the global interest into the blockchain and cryptocurrency space? What, what, what do you think? you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's healthy right now? Or do you think that, you know, maybe it is a little bit of a bubble? Or do you think that this is only the start of something that's going to be monstrous this is hard to tell right because usually i i don't look at the market i wanted to avoid from you know all the price conversion mm-hmm. but you know when when you want to call something as a bubble i think it's important to uh see where you are from so if you have been like in this industry for long you are not like you have seen that that you know bitcoin and ether they, they went all the all the way up from a few cents to like you know ten thousand or fifteen thousand or even like nineteen thousand us dollar right per bitcoin for for newcomers, they will see that as a bubble because you know I I don't think there's any other asset in in our entire uh, human in, uh, history right has that sort of growth. But if you have been in this industry for long, you think you you will see that it's just like you know some healthy growth because if you look at the market cap, it's super small compared to other traditional asset, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the bond, uh, you know, uh, market, or if you look at the uh, you know, security market, it's huge. So you're very bullish. Still confident. Uh, and I think that more and more people are being aware of cryptocurrency and blockchain. More and more people are doing new stuff on, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency. So that's more important. We actually have, you know, world-class developers, people who left, you know, Google, or Facebook, or Dropbox, to build new awesome stuff on top of blockchain and cryptocurrency. 
So that is a healthy sign for the ent- uh, for for the entire ecosystem. Right. We also have PhDs from some of the best schools in the world building. Um, that- working off of that same aspect, and I I know it's hard for you to comment, but I just want candidness from people in the industry. If this was the first episode that somebody heard getting into the crypto space, because this is Crypto 101, we are positioned on iTunes and in the market to be one of the first places that you're going to go to to start learning about crypto. And you see Kyber Network, let's say, at 500 million market cap or Zillica at a billion or what what have you, and they say, I'm going to invest. What would you say to them? Would you would you say go for it because there's a bright future, or be cautious? First advice to them is you know spend uh, some small money, right, in whatever coin that they want to invest. Maybe let's like just a few hundred bucks, and after that they will have more interest to actually study about the project, the coin, and actually the technology, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's a good way to uh, actually start uh, learning or studying about blockchain and have more. Uh, responsible investment in a future project because now they actually have some some stake in the in the in the coin of the tokens, right? And right. They, we have more interest to actually learn some stuff. Who is one person you admire in the crypto space? I think because you know I work closely with uh, people from Ethereum Foundation, mm-hmm. so I really like uh, their attitude. Uh, they are grounded, and especially Vitalik, who is you know extremely smart. And at the same time, he's super humble. I, I work with him a lot, so I know you know how, how great he is. And he's always kind to everyone. I mean, if he doesn't like anyone, he's just like, don't talk to them or try to stay away from them. He doesn't want like, to do any hurt or harm anyone. So, you know, a lot of people say the Ethereum network and you like working with them. What is it about the Ethereum network? Okay, everybody always says, yeah, they're, you know, making a platform, which is not a currency. And, you know, you build things on it. It's, it's, so that's, that's what everybody always says. But what about the inside? What about the working? What about the culture? What makes you like them? I think um, the ecosystem is so friendly in Ethereum. So I, I work on both Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. So I, I realized the difference in, in the you know culture, also in the community, right? So in Bitcoin, if you propose any idea, people mm-hmm. will try to scrutinize, to point out the flaws, instead of like you know, trying to give some proper advice or some proper comment. And try to like encourage people to you know develop their ideas more and to refine it. Yeah. So in Ethereum, everyone is so friendly. I, I don't know whether because of Vitalik or because of the foundation or because just because you know we have so many new people, less cypherpunk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why people are you know better in, in you know communication and uh, interaction with others. I think that in the consumer side or the investor side of the community, we kind of see that difference as well. We see that there's the Bitcoin side. You go to our Bitcoin or these other, you know, sites, they're very non-welcoming compared to, say, you know, either smaller uh, coins or um, Ethereum. You, you know, I, that's interesting to hear you say that from a developer's and a business owner's point of view is the same. Exactly, yeah. So I think uh, Ethereum is playing some important role here, right, in this entire uh, blockchain or crypto uh, currency ecosystem, because Ethereum is actually the main driving forces to actually get uh, adoption, you know, reach out to mainstream users, mainstream developers to ask them to build new stuff on blockchain. I, I think Ethereum inspires a lot of people to actually start their career in cryptocurrency and blockchain. I, I got a question about traditional systems and crypto systems. It looks like there's many layers that are being built 
to get a job done. There is the Ethereum base or foundation that, you know, lays, lays the track, let's just say. And then we have, you know, the ERC compliance of, it's almost like how wide your wheels are on, if this is a train track, how wide your wheels are uh, to roll on that track. As we know, you know, you know, Russian trains and American trains have different wheelbase sizes. So yes. you, you, you only can run, run an American train on an American train track. So, you know, so you have that compliance token. Then you have the Kyber network built on top of that to use other ERC compliant tokens that are running right. on this train track as well. So it's almost like the Kyber is the car, the train car, and the ERC20 tokens are the coal that you're filling the car in, and then it's taken into a destination. So that's the crypto network. And then, of course, there's the merchants, and you have to turn that coal into Korean won. We'll go into that some other time. Now there's a traditional yeah. network. How does that work? How does the traditional network work? Because we always say, you're, you keep saying Visa. It's like Visa and, and all these other things. What is the Ethereum for Visa? What is the ERC-20? What is the Kyber network for that? Or is this not even comparable? What is the Ethereum for Visa? I think it's the entire internet, right? Because Visa is actually a tech company. Mm-hmm. And they just like run everything on on you know internet. They have you know their servers, they have their, their network, and you know everyone will just like send messages right between you know all the servers. I ask this question because what it sounds is like the crypto space because it's new is very complicated. There's so many, and we never knew about these layers because we're we're not part of building the Visa network. We're not part right. of building you know uh, the the banking network. So we right. don't know how many layers are there. It's kind of like what you said. You, people are yeah. going to use Kyber and not know it even exists. So we don't know how the traditional right. system exists. How does it exist that you know? Well, I mean, like um, for Visa, they have all the you know card issuers. They have like all the merchants. They have the users. Right? So I guess you know the card issuers or you know, and they also have like you know different currency as well. And then we have the like, currency issuers in Kyber network or in Ethereum concept. You know, all the ERC twenty token will be different crypto- uh, currency in our real life, right? Uh, so OMG can be like, you know, USD or Japanese won or, you know, Thai baht, right? Right. Um, and Kyber Network will operate as, you know, Visa. We allow people to send from any cryptocurrency and uh, we convert it to different cryptocurrency. And the user don't even know like how we do it, right? So the internet is similar to what Ethereum is, you know, right now. Like, you know, we have like so many people working on that internet, building new stuff on that, on top of that internet. Ethereum is more like the internet of value now because people can actually transfer value from one one person to a different person. So our internet is more like internet of information. People can send, you know, messages, people can send emails, people can send images, photos, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from one person to a different person. Loy, before I ask this last question, I want to say thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101 and giving the listeners a 101 on Kyber, a 101 on Ethereum, and a 101 on Visa, actually. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. In Crypto 101 tradition, the last question is always, what three songs would you like with your interview? I want to explain a little bit why the name of Kyber, right? Kyber um, is actually a crystal in Star Wars that uh, powers all the lightsabers. Yeah, of course, the Kyber crystal. I didn't, yes. I didn't think there was a relation. Yeah, so uh, you know, in, in crypto, uh, in, in crypto world, we wanted to, uh, you know, give the powers to all the uh, other tokens in this ecosystem, right? We want to provide the liquidity for them. So that's why we name it, you know, Kyber Network Crystal uh, for the name of our, for, for our token. Oh, right on. That's cool. Yeah. So I guess you know one of the uh, song that we really like is the you know Star Wars Empire theme song. 
The other ones, um, The Roads on Travel by, um, you know, Linkin Park. Okay. Now for that Star Wars song, is that going to be the dun, 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 or? Exactly, exactly. Done. So the last one is The Cutting Stars by One Republic. All right, you got it. Loi, CEO and founder of Kyber Network. Thank you very much for coming on my show. Thank you, Mati, for having me. Really enjoy the conversation. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. And I love talking to people in the blockchain space. I love it. I love them telling me about these innovations that they are doing with blockchain technology, these ideas that they have. I love when they come on and tell us about how exchanges work, how exchanges should work, how blockchain works, and all of these other debates and discourse that we're having with Crypto 101 is amazing. And I love sharing that information with you guys. And I love telling you about how this space is progressing and how things work in the space. It is so much fun. The brilliance that is in this industry right now is unparalleled. People are leaving different companies. As you heard Lloyd say, they're leaving Microsoft and Apple and government contract jobs to come work in the blockchain space. They are going to Stanford and Harvard to be lawyers in the blockchain space, or they're leaving their firms and their partnerships to open up their own companies in the blockchain space. Thanks to the internet technology, we never had this opportunity back in the 70s and 80s when Steve Jobs was building his company in a garage. Imagine if you could have listened to an interview with Steve Jobs coming on different podcasts talking about him building Apple. That would be amazing. So I am super happy and privileged to be sharing this with you. And I hope that everybody enjoys the conversations that we have here on Crypto 101. If you don't, please come to Crypto101podcast.com, hit the contact us button and give us suggestions. We always want to make this show the best as we possibly can. So thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. And before we go, go to ApogeeCrypto.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices. And we will see you in the next episode of Crypto 101. And I think the next episode is with the founder of my Ethereum wallet. And we will go through a 101 of my Ethereum wallet with the founder, Taylor Monahan. Thank you very much. This is Matthew Aaron with Crypto 101.